0: How can I mend a broken heart? I know once I, I looked it up, yeah, I wanted to use it to as an object lesson. I've been kind of humming it and singing it around even when I don't want to no more, you know. But, you know, uh, people identify with the words of that song. All it is is questions. There's no answers in there. It's just questions. How can I mend a broken heart, you know? How can I do that, you know? How can I heal a broken man? You know, how can a loser ever win, you know? So those questions over and over again, people identify with that because this world in which we live is full of broken people with broken hearts. And we know that's true. You know, in the Bible, there was a woman, uh, we refer to her as the woman at the well. And she surely had a very broken heart. Jesus was talking to her and he said, hey, go get your husband bring him here. She said, well, I don't have a husband. He said, you're right. You've had four or five of them already and the guy you're living with now is not your your husband. You know, uh, she was kind of, how would we say, um, a Liz Taylor of the New Testament, you know, and uh, looking for the certain guy who would fill her up and meet her every need. But just so you folks know, that guy does not exist. And neither does the woman exist who will meet our every need. It, it just doesn't happen. God has reserved that position for himself. And he alone can mend, heal, restore, repair a broken heart, a broken man, a, a broken woman. You know, lots of times folks are looking for a quick fix. Um, You know, there was this woman, and she'd gone to the grocery store, and she couldn't get her car cranked after she came back to her car. And she asked this guy walking by, she said, could could you uh, jiggle the wire on my battery while I try to crank this? And he said, well, let me see what I can do. And she said, well, my husband said, all you have to do is jiggle the wire on the battery, you know. So the guy opened the hood, and he's looking, and he touched the battery, uh, key for there, and it came right off the battery. He said, uh, ma'am, uh, do you have a wrench or something? I said, just jiggle it, please, and it'll start. My husband said it would. And he said, you know what? Wherever you go for the rest of the day, every time you turn off, it will not crank again unless somebody jiggles it. And he said, well, I think your husband should have come with you to jiggle it every time you uh, <laughs> stop somewhere. So he continued to talk, and he said, ma'am, do you have a wrench? Anywhere in your car? And a little bit disgusted, she was, and she reached down under the seat. She knew there was a few tools there, handed him a crescent wrench. And in two minutes, he tightened up the cable on the battery, you know, and it needed no more jiggling. But I wonder how many times in our relationships do we look for the quick fix, just a little jiggle, and I'll be back on my way. I need a little jiggle a little bit later, and another little jiggle here or there. Instead of taking the time to become well-connected with Almighty God, we think the little jiggle that will continue to grow worse as time progresses is the way to go, but it, it really isn't. It's time for us to get connected well with God. You know, there are were, there were also 10 lepers in the uh, New Testament and talking about broken hearts. You know when you got leprosy in the in the Bible days they threw you out of the town out of the community you had to leave your your family because it was highly contagious and they put you out somewhere on the outskirts usually in a cave or something and people would come not to you but close enough and leave food and then walk away and then you would come and get it and you lived in a leper colony broken hearts not to see your family not to hug your daughter your son or your wife, or your husband again, I'm talking about real, real broken hearts. And there was ten lepers in the Bible who came to Jesus, and they said, "Please, you know, heal us. We we heard that you do stuff like that." And Jesus, he said, "Go show yourself to the priest. He'll validate the fact that the leprosy is gone." And they all turned, they went, and on their way, you know, leprosy it it, it uh, consumes your body. You lose feeling, you, you burn yourself, you cut yourself, you don't feel it anymore. And it just begins to uh, you know, deteriorate your ear, your nose, your fingers and joints and things like that. But these guys, as they were going, the leprosy stopped. Now, they were still missing a finger, but it had healed up completely. The priest would validate that they are healed and they could go back to their families again. But one guy, when he saw this, he turned and he went back. And he found Jesus and he bowed down at his feet and he says, Thank you. And you say, hey, Well, where's the other guys? I don't know, but thank you for healing me. And the Bible says, where the other guys were healed, the leprosy had stopped. This man, because he came back and gave thanks, was made whole. The leprosy not only was gone, but the finger grew back. Piece of his nose came back. Piece of ear came back. Let me tell you. Being thankful surely helps heal the broken hearts. Being thankful helps to heal the broken body, broken relationships, broken finances, broken whatever it is that's broken about us. Being thankful to God, it helps to mend us. It really does. Throughout the Bible, you see, there's a a guy, he was demon-possessed. He actually lived in the cemetery. They had chained him several times because they... They declared he was a madman, and he would just break the chains, We'd go back to the cemetery, and they would hear him crying and screaming through the nights, and he would cut himself with sharp stones. And Jesus and his disciples came to that area, and as they came to shore, this man came and, and was screaming and carrying on, and Jesus cast the demons out of him. Now You're talking about a broken man, a broken soul, a broken heart. All of it wrapped in this one demon-possessed man. Jesus cast the demons out of him, and then he sat there in his right mind. And he says, I want to go with you. I want to go with you. I don't want to stay here no more. You have mended me. You have repaired my soul. You have changed my life. And Jesus said, not now. I want you to go back to your town, and you tell them the great things that God has done for you throughout the Bible broken people over and over we see them in in our history we see them yeah there was a a fellow by the name of blind Bartimaeus in the the New Testament and uh, he had heard that Jesus had healed people and all and then one day as he was just going about his normal begging routine he heard a crowd coming and people said it was Jesus and his you know Ears perked up. He he heard the commotion. Hundreds of people coming his way. And he began to scream out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Heal me. And the crowd was going, Bartimaeus, shut up. You're you're interrupting things. You're you're out of order. Shut up or we're going to hit you. Jesus, heal me. And they're getting ready to punch him. And uh, Jesus says, he stops and he says, Bartimaeus, come here. And then all the people going like, hey, Bartimaeus, come on. Jesus wants to talk to you. Let me what you over. Anyhow, Jesus heals his body. heals his broken body. He mends him. He can see, surrender his life to Christ. Over and over. You know, we, we hear the words of that song, how can... You know, we mend a a broken heart. Well, to be honest with you, we really can. And and it expresses itself in many different kinds of ways. You remember the guy, a little short guy in the Bible, what was his name? Zacchaeus, tax collector. Very powerful, very rich man with a very big inferiority complex because everybody looked down on him physically. And one day he had heard that Jesus was coming around in their community. And he ran out. He knew where he would have to pass. He ran out and he climbed up in a tree because when a crowd's around, he's hopping, trying to jump up and see what's going on, but he could never see what's going on because he was so short. But he got up in a tree and he stood there and he watched the crowds along with Jesus, following Jesus, the miracles he was doing. And when Jesus got to that spot, he just stopped and looked up and he said, Zacchaeus? You come on down now. We're going to have dinner at your house today. And when Zacchaeus came down, nothing else had been said or done. He said, Lord, if I've stolen from anybody, and he had, he said, I'll return it four times as much. And, 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 and uh, come to my house and, and bring anybody you want. He was a changed man. The brokenness that was there had been mended by meeting Jesus Christ. You remember there was another one in the New Testament. Uh, she had what they referred to as an issue of blood. You know, I think we all have some kinds of issues, don't we? So, but she had an issue of blood, and the Bible says she spent her entire living, every penny she had on all the doctors for a day, and instead of getting better, she got worse. And she came, and she risked touching Jesus, because when you're, you know, sick with disease, you don't touch the religious folks because you would deem them unclean to serve in the temples and whatever else, and and it was a stoning offense, but she touched the hem of his garment, you know, and Jesus said, well, who touched me? And everybody said, come on, Jesus, there's crowds here. What do you mean, who touched you? And then the woman, you know, made eye contact with, and she knew she wasn't hidden, and she says it was me. And she was healed from that moment forward she had an issue of blood well we have all kinds of issues and brokenness and you don't just you know you are born with a broken heart but it gets broken over and over again as we go through life you, you remember the disciples when Jesus was coming walking down the beach the disciples were there well, when he was calling them they were mending their nets And Jesus came to him and says, hey, y'all come in and you follow me. He said, I want to mend your lives. And then I want you to be able to mend the lives of other other people. Come and follow me. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, for everyone has sinned. Everyone. There is no exceptions to that. Everyone has sinned. And everyone has this broken heart. And, and, and if you look at it, you'll see there's a God-shaped hole in all of us. And you can try to fill that, that hole with, with uh, alcohol or drugs or money or fame or fortune or relationships. or You can try to fill the emptiness inside with anything on the planet, but it just falls out. It doesn't fit. And, and we're still left empty. But the Bible says, for everyone has sinned, and because we have sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. And God's standard is for us to be like His Son Jesus, to be Christ like. And we all fall short of being Christ like because we've all sinned, because we were born with sin. It wasn't that we did something to start it, we were born with sin in our lives, it, it, it pumps through our veins. That sinful nature, because of our parents, has passed from generation to generation. It says in Psalms 51, verse 10, it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. So when he says create a clean heart, what does that imply? Create in me a clean heart, Lord. What does that imply? Our heart is dirty. What happens if if a person's physical heart gets dirty? Gets dirty and dirtier and dirtier and dirtier. What happens? If they don't clean it out, you have a heart attack. And and the psalmist here, David says, create in me a clean heart because a dirty heart leads to a broken heart. Even more broken than before, you know. Create in me a clean heart, O God. See, God created the heart. And he can recreate a clean heart. He alone can clean and mend a broken heart. Now in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and on and on he goes the word created is the same word for generated you ever seen a generator a generator generates something that didn't exist before it's it's amazing how it works it it generates creates electricity and in the beginning god created or god generated man and woman and all the things He generated them. That's a proper word to use there. Now, sin entered the picture, and sin is a degenerative disease. Because of sin, things, you know, uh, fall apart, and they deteriorate, and so forth. But think about it for a moment. God generated us. Because of sin... We've become degenerate. Have you ever heard somebody mad at someone and said, you degenerate, you know? That means the scum of the earth, you no good, blah, 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 whatever, because of a degeneration that takes place. See, in Christ Jesus, and we'll see here in a scripture in a moment, we become regenerated. That, that's just the way it happens. Listen to what it says here in Titus chapter 3, verse 3. It says... For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, Common says, not by works of righteousness. I'm talking about works of righteous good deeds. It says it's not by works of righteousness. Now, I'm going to come right back here to Timothy, but I need to go back to the Old Testament, Isaiah, and read you something so we understand this word righteousness. In Isaiah 64, verse 6, it says, We are all infected and impure with what? With sin. Sin is a degenerative disease. It tears us down, breaks us down. It says we're all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, our righteous deeds, it's the best that we can muster. Hey, God, you let me in heaven because look at all the good things I'm doing. And it says here we're all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags like autumn leaves. We wither and fall, and our sin sweeps us away like the wind. Now, let me go back over here to Titus, and let me read Titus chapter 3, verse 4 and 5. It says, But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, because our righteousness is filthy rags. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. Uh, those were degenerative. But according to his mercy, and mercy is not getting the bad, the judgment that we deserve. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. But according to his mercy, he saved or, or mended, if you would, us. Through the washing of, what's that word? regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit this renewal here this revival this rejuvenation uh, this restoration this mending of the heart it says it's not by our works of righteousness but it's it's by the washing of regeneration remember we were generated and because of sin we become degenerate and because what Christ has done is he regenerated us. A recreation, if you would. It tells us here in uh, the next verse, verse 6, it says, talking about the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us abundantly through Christ Jesus our Savior. The Holy Spirit has a tremendous work in bringing back to our mind the things the Scripture says, doing this work on the inside of us. Listen to what it says here. In John 3, 3, it says, Jesus replied, I assure you, this is the truth here, guys. I assure you, unless you are born again, the word regeneration, same as being born again. Regenerated. Born, what's the next word? Born. This is happening. You had your natural birth. Now you need to be born again. Regeneration means recreated. You know, born again is what he's talking about here. Jesus says, I assure you, unless you are born again, you can never see the kingdom of God. Unless we've been regenerated, unless we've been recreated, unless we've been born again, he says, you're not going to go to heaven, you're not even going to see the kingdom of God. It's not, well, well, Lord, look at all the, the righteous deeds I did, all the good stuff I did. But see, we still have this degenerative disease called sin that's just tearing us apart, deteriorating us further and further. Going over here to uh, Psalms 51, verse 10, it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. And, and God alone can do this. Can cleanse our dirty heart God alone can renew and restore God alone can mend our broken heart here now the song how can we mend a broken heart how can a loser ever win and see we can't that can only be done by the Almighty God uh, listen to what the father says to Jesus in Luke chapter 4 verse 18 it says the Spirit of the Lord and this is Jesus talking. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel, which is good news, to preach the gospel to the poor. Is it just talking about people who don't have any money? You remember Zacchaeus? He was wealthy, but he was poor and concerning the things that really matter his relationship with god but says to preach the gospel to the poor he says the spirit has anointed me to heal to mend the brokenhearted and and the word brokenhearted just means despair And, and we've we've had despair and and born with a broken heart and then had our hearts broken by people that we love or care about over and over and over again and Jesus said, "The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, and He has sent me to heal to mend the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty, which means freedom, to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty, freedom, those who are oppressed, those who have been broken and and um, you know demoralized and exploited." He says, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, <clears throat> what this means is that those who become Christians, now I don't know if you knew this, but nobody is born Christian. You may be born in a Christian nation. You might even be born in a Christian family. You, you know, but you are born with sinful blood pumping through your veins. He says, "What this means is that those who become the only way uh, that you would ever be able to be honest about being a Christian is you weren't born that way, but you were born again as a Christian. You became a Christian. What this means is that those who become Christian become new persons, uh, you know, new creations, recreations, if you would." You become a new person, it says, regenerated, it's talking about here. Relationship with God has been mended. Sin no longer, you know, is a wedge that keeps you apart. It's talking about your relationship with God has been patched up because what Christ has done. What this means is that those who become Christian become new persons. They are not the same anymore. For the old life is, what's that word? gone. Now you know uh, my wife Susan uh, she's had some eye problems over the years. She's had two detached retinas you know and in the process of uh, putting this buckle around her eyes that you can't see in the process of that you have to for a few weeks after that process you have to sleep with your face down and, and keep your face down 24 hours a day. Well it just happened that when James James, our son, who did the drama a while ago, he happened to be born right at the time when she had uh, a detached retina. And to nurse a baby, you know, in this whole process, and you had to keep your head down. If you didn't, the gel that they took out of the inside of your eyeball exposes your lens. Anyhow, it creates a cataract really quick in younger people. So Susan has had two cataracts, and uh, just a few years ago, she had... The cataracts removed, but a lot of people don't know that Susan was just one little digit from being legally blind, you know. uh, The glasses that she's worn since I've known her look like the Coke bottle bottoms, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Really thick so she could see. And anyhow, through this whole process of them taking out the cataracts, it made her lens really fuzzy so she could hardly see at all now. And then they were gonna determine what kind of lens to put in so she would be able to see as best as possible. Well, they just put a plain, a plain general lens in because of all of the stuff going on with her, uh, detached retina that they fixed and now taking out the old lens. Well, you know, as her eye began to heal up, it was astounding. Uh, They didn't do it on purpose, but she was able to see perfect through these general little lenses that they put in there. And her surgeon and even recently her eye doctor, who had the same vision she does, he's going, that ain't fair, you know? (laughs) Because she doesn't need contact lenses or glasses or anything. But anyhow, my point was this. When she had that cataract lens taken out, you know what they did with it? They put it in the other eye, right? No, they threw it away. Let me read you a verse. It says, What this means is that those who become new, uh, those who become Christians become new persons. They are not the same anymore, for the old life is gone. What happened to her old contact lens? It's gone. You think she wants it back? She couldn't see out of it. She sees great now, you know. And our old life, do we want our old life back? No, we don't. Not the old sinful degenerative life. that was just sucking us down. It says, when we become new persons, they are not the same anymore, for the old life is gone, a new life has become. Our life has been mended as Susan's vision had been mended, had been restored, repaired, healed. She don't want to go back to that old lens no more. It says in verse 18, all this newness of life, this restoration, this this healing, this mending, all this newness of life is from God. See, that's what God does. He brings about a new life. He mends, and alone, only he can mend a broken heart. Only he can turn a loser into a winner. Only he can bring and give you life again. Verse 18 says, all this new life is from God who brought us back to himself. See, he mended our relationship with him through what Christ did. Jesus went to the cross. We celebrated communion this morning. Jesus went to the cross, shed his blood, gave his life, and then rose from the dead to forgive us. He was our whipping boy. It says all this unity of life is from God who brought us back to himself through what Christ did. And God has given us the task of reconciling, reuniting people to him. Since our relationship has been mended with almighty God, and he's mended our broken heart. He says, you go tell everybody that I can mend their broken heart too. Tell them, like the demon possessment, you go tell everybody you know what I've done for you. And they'll probably want me to do it for them as well. See, God is in the transformation business of transforming broken hearts and giving us a new heart to making us a new person in christ jesus god is into the transformation business psalms 51 again verse 11 it says do not banish me the psalmist is talking to god do not banish me from your presence and don't take your holy spirit from me restore to me again 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 It's happened before restore to me again the joy of your salvation it seems that we can lose our joy the joy that we we receive when we knew that our sins were forgiven and our heart was mended, it seems that we can lose our joy of salvation. And that's really critical because the Bible says it's the joy of the Lord, it's our strength. And if we lose our joy, we lose our strength. He says in verse 12, Restore to me again the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Have you lost your joy of being forgiven, the joy of salvation. Have you you lost your joy of serving God by serving other people? David is saying, restore that joy again because I lost it somewhere along the line. Restore to me again the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels. Then I'm going to teach other people what you did for me. I'm going to teach your way to rebels and they will return to you. See, how can we mend a broken heart? We can't, but God can. And then we're supposed to go and pass the good news on. If, if you've got a problem with your cataract, you, you find somebody who had the best success with an awesome doctor, and you want that doctor, you know. And when you find out that Dr. Jesus takes care of it all, that's where you want to go. In a remote Swiss village stood a beautiful <coughs> church building, It was so beautiful, in fact, that it was known as the Mountain Valley Cathedral. The church building was not only beautiful to look at with its high pillars and magnificent stained glass windows, but it had the most beautiful pipe organ in the whole region. People would come from miles away, from far off lands, to hear the lovely tones of this organ. But there was a problem. The columns were still there, The windows still dazzled with the sunlight, but there was an eerie silence. The mountain valley no longer echoed the glorious fine-tuned music of the pipe organ. Something had gone wrong with the pipe organ. Musicians and experts from around the world came and tried to repair it. Every time a new person would try to fix it, the villagers were subjected to sounds of disharmony awful penetrating noises which polluted the air. One day an old man appeared at the church door. He spoke with the sexton, and after a time the sexton reluctantly agreed to let the old man try his hand at repairing the organ. For two days the old man worked in almost total silence. The sexton was in fact getting a bit nervous. Then on the third day at high noon, The mountain valley once again was filled with glorious music. Farmers dropped their plows. Merchants closed their stores. Everyone in town stopped what they were doing and they headed toward the church building. Even the bushes and trees of the mountaintop seemed to respond as the glorious music echoed from ridge to ridge. After the old man finished his playing, a brave soul asked him, how he could have fixed the organ. How could he restore this magnificent instrument when even the world's experts could not? The old man merely said, it was an inside job. It was I who built this organ 50 years ago, he said. I created it, and now I have repaired. I have mended it. See, it's an inside job that you and i need god generated us but because of sin we become degenerative in our life in our heart and by what jesus christ has done he regenerates he reconditions he repairs that which has been broken and only jesus can do that and so we desperately need a relationship with Jesus, all the others would look at Jesus as the people looked at that old man working on the, the organ until they saw the results. It's like,
1: wow,
0: he was the creator of the organ. No wonder he could recreate it. He could fix it. And see, our creator, he knew what was going on. He knew we were going to need to be born again. He knew we were going to need a, a, a regeneration take place, and he provided that. In Psalms 119, verse 93 The psalmist says, I will never forget your commandments for you have used them to restore. That's the word mend. You have used them to restore or to mend my joy and health. How many of you say, hey, I could use a little more joy in my life. How many would like to be healthier than you are right now? He says, I will never forget your commands for you have used them to restore my joy and my health. And let me tell you, those two things are connected. If you let the devil steal your joy, your health will go shortly afterwards. The joy of the Lord, you see, is our strength. Recently, one of the testimonies at a missions conference was so powerful, it seemed to take the breath away from people attending. It was a story of a blind woman by the name of Paney. She was listening to the Jesus film in her village that they put out and produce, and it goes across the world, this, this film, the Jesus film. And as those, uh, she was listening, uh, as those with sight were watching, Paney was greatly moved when she heard on the film that Jesus had restored the sight of the blind man. And when Paney heard these words she cried out, I want to receive my sight too! And at the conclusion of the film, a miracle actually took place. Painty could see. Jesus had mended, restored her sight. As the mission conference attendees heard the wonderful story, they began to show emotion for such a miracle. They were stopped of their emotional exuberance by the missionary as he gave them a reminder The restoration of Paine's sight was not the greatest miracle that evening. A greater miracle took place, greater miracle than the restoration of her sight. Paine received forgiveness of her sins that night by trusting Jesus as her Savior. And she heard Jesus speak the sweetest words of all. Your sins are forgiven. Is that not the greatest of all miracles? A person can have their eyes healed, still reject Christ, and go to hell. The greatest miracle is when a man or a woman has been regenerated. They accept Christ as as their Savior. And the degenerative sin is forgiven and pushed away. And a regeneration. They're born again. They have life that they will see and hear and move and do all that they need to do throughout all eternity. Oh, I, I believe that God still heals bodies. But the most important is when he recreates and he mends our broken heart and removes our sin. Now, in the book of Mark, and I would challenge you to read that later today some sometime, but in the book of Mark, it tells us about Peter. And and uh, Peter was listening to Jesus. Jesus said, you know what? Before the, the day is up, for, uh, you guys are going to desert me. And Peter probably said, Lord, they probably will, but not this guy. He said, Jesus, I will be here. If I have to die with you, I will be here with you. I will not abandon you. And Jesus just looked at him, simply told him to He says, before the rooster crows two times, you know, it's going to come early in the morning. You're going to have denied me three times. And Peter continued to argue with the Lord. Not me, man. I'm here with you. You can count on me. And then you remember what happened when the soldiers came in. they took Jesus and they took him to beat him and uh, you know, take him before a, a fake trial and all that kinds of stuff. Well, Peter followed along behind. He followed along behind. All the other disciples did depart, but he followed along behind and, and he was close by where he could see Jesus and he could see the interrogation going on. And then there was a, a, a little woman, a little maid, as he was warming himself around a fire with other people, they're watching the commotion. And, and she came and said, you were with him. We've seen you. And then he said, oh, I don't know the man, woman. I don't know what you're talking about. Three different times in the last time. And every once in a while he'd look over there and Jesus would look. And they would make contact with their eyes. And then the last time, someone said, you were with him. I'm sure of it. And Peter swore. He cursed and said, I'm telling you, blankety-blank, blank, I don't know the man. And then the rooster crowed two times. And then Peter, he ran away and he wept. Could God ever use somebody like Peter who had denied that he ever known him after living with him for three years? Did Jesus still love Peter? Absolutely. Could he possibly use this man who is absolute, a bona fide failure? Bona fide failure. And then a day or two, a few days passed, and Peter said, I'm going back to what I used to do before I met Jesus. I'm going fishing. And he went fishing. And the other disciples had nothing to do. They said, well, we're going with you. And they went out fishing to catch a thing. And then... There was a man on the shore, had a little fire going. He was cooking some fish and some bread. And he said, hey, guys, y'all have any fish? No, we ain't caught anything. Well, why don't you cast your net over on the other side of the boat? They had nothing to lose, so they did. And they hooked into the biggest catch they had ever caught. And then they recognized who it was. And Peter just dove right into the water. Left the guys with the fish and he swam to shore. How do you think Peter was feeling? It's like I denied him and then they crucified him. And then the ship with all the disciples there, they brought it to shore. You remember when, when when Peter first met Jesus? He was fishing, you know, and he hadn't caught nothing. And Jesus told him to cast and he cast and he caught the biggest load of fish he'd ever caught. And the nets began to break and other people had to help out. This time they caught 153. It says giant fish, huge fish. And the nets didn't break this time. He brought it to shore. And Jesus said, why don't you bring one of those fish over here so we have enough to go around. And he cooked some more fish on his fire. And then when everybody was there, he looked at Peter and he said, Peter, do you love me? What's going on in Peter's mind? You know, I just denied that I knew him in front of everybody. And he said, Lord, you know everything you know what I do. And he asked him three different times. And then Jesus said, well, okay, listen, here. Feed my sheep. Tell them the good news. Feed my lambs, the little ones and the bigger ones. You go and tell them the good news that has happened to you. Feed my sheep. Oh, Peter's heart was broken, crushed. But Jesus said, hey, listen, I forgive you. You get on with the work that we had talked about so many times before. I don't know if you know this guy or not, but I was reading about this fellow some time ago. His name is Ernest Biner. Anybody know who Ernest Biner is? Who was he? exactly right 1987 they were getting ready to win the championship two yards away and Ernest what did he do he fumbled on the I thought it was two but the three-yard line that's close enough fumbled the ball when the pile was cleared out they go he lost the ball they were gonna win the championship they were gonna go places but he fumbled the ball, and they lost the game. (laughs) And even to this day, he is remembered for fumbling the ball. And there's a lot of people who are going to remember Peter for denying Christ. a lot of people are going to remember where you have fumbled the ball in your own life. Anybody here ever made a mistake? If you didn't raise your hand, you just made one. And a lot of people are going to remember when you fumbled the ball, but I'm going to tell you, Almighty God forgives. He shows us his mercy, and he can mend and will mend and wants to mend the broken heart. Do you think Biner's heart was broken? Woo! But God, like he did with Peter, he said, you go and you feed my sheep, feed my lambs. You go and get on what I told you to do. You're forgiven. That's the truth of it. I'd like us to close with the song. I think it's kind of a fun, new song. It's from Matthew West. And the title of the song is called Mended. And I want you just to hear maybe God speaking to you through this song, and then we'll close with a word of prayer.
1: When you see broken One heartbreak It was never supposed to be this way Look in the mirror but you're find- Paid, and there's nothing you could ever do to lose what grace has won. So, hold on, it's not the end. No, this is where love's work. My child, my beloved, the new creation you're becoming You see the scars from when you fell, but I see the stories they will tell You see worthless, but I see priceless You see pain, but I see a purpose You see unworthy. See healing beyond belief You're not too far
0: You see nothing but damaged goods. You know what God sees? Something really good in the making. You know? If, um, could you lift up that shade on that window right there? All the way up. Just yes. There we go. Well, uh, that's good enough. You know, pull it way back down again and turn it loose. There you go you see that right there? I mean, stained glass windows are kind of nice, aren't they? You know what stained glass windows are made out of? Broken, broken glass. <coughs> broken, cut pieces of glass. But when they're put back together, they're stronger. And when the light shines through them, they're beautiful. And though you and I have been broken When God puts us back together, we become strong. And his glory can shine through that which has been broken. Let's bow our heads together. Father, I ask your blessings upon the men, the women, the boys and the girls who are in this building, those who are watching online, wherever they might be, those who are listening on a DVD, CD. Lord, I ask that you would just convince us of your love, your passion for us, that you do want to mend our broken hearts, and you alone can do that. We need your power. We need your touch in our lives. You who created us, you alone can renew and restore, recondition, remake us. And Lord, that's what we're asking you to do right now. As our heads are bound, if if you would just join me in a simple prayer to reaffirm our faith in Christ, and maybe you've never welcomed him into your life before, would you join us as we pray and and do just that? Would you join us? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me, and I believe the best is yet to come. I believe you've got good plans for my life. That's why you sent your son, Jesus. He died in my place, shed his blood, and then he rose from the dead. I believe that Jesus is knocking at the door of my life right now. And I open that door, and I welcome Jesus as my Savior, as my Lord, and as my King. I welcome him into my life. I'm sorry for my sinful ways, but I receive your pardon. I receive your forgiveness right now. And I dedicate to you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You know, um, before you leave, I think, do I have the... uh, the, uh, somewhere, uh, I think I have one of those. Maybe. There it is. Our uh, little weekly challenge. is talking about today, if you agree that this is true. It says, I allow God to mend my broken heart and will be a conduit for him to mend other broken hearts through my testimony. If you say, God can use my life and touch other people and I'll, I'll at least tell what he did for me. If you agree to do that, just check it off and drop it in the tithe box. And if you're here today and you need some prayer, there'll be some folks around the altar who would love to come up here and pray with you. The God who we serve, he still answers prayer, folks. He genuinely does. And uh, if you prayed and you welcome Christ into your life, would you uh, stop at our Connections desk on the way out and tell them that you'd like the gift bag, you know, uh, it's free, you know, that Pastor Ron was talking about. And for those of you who are watching online, just make a phone call, a text, an email to the church office, and we'll send you uh, one of those as well. And all of you who are guests with us today, stop back there and say, I'm a guest. We have another little gift, nice little gift for all of you uh, who are guests today. Would you make it a point on your way out to greet one another, shake somebody's hand, high five somebody, hug somebody's neck. God bless you. You are dismissed.